Wasn't that beautiful? Amen, amen. And he's got some more to come. Amen. <laughs> so praise the Lord. That was beautiful and blessed. Of course, this is our stewardship time. Of, I'm known as the stewardship man <laughs> because every one of us is a steward of God. Amen. amen. So we want to remember to honor God with our time, talent, temple, and treasure. One way that we can do that, of course, is spending our time studying the Word of God. Now, I also want to say happy Black History Month to everyone. And remember, black history is American history. So we celebrate it 365 days a year. But in February, we pay special attention to it. So much, in fact, that the North American Division has printed up a Sabbath school lesson focused on black history and social change. So these are in the back at the welcome desk. Join us next week at Sabbath School on Lesson 2 in this dynamic Sabbath School book printed especially for Black History Month. Also in sharing our time with the Lord and studying His Word, our discipleship class, we're in this book, In His Steps, Lesson 2. Please see me afterward for a book as well as for the Zoom ID for it. At this time, would our deacons come forward to lift our morning tithe and offering? Everyone has been so faithful and giving with tithe and offering. We just want to say thank you and want you to thank yourself also for being a faithful servant of God in your tithe and offering. We'd really appreciate if you put in a little extra today for Black History Month. Continue to do more. God has done more for you. Amen. 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 So we want to do a little extra for God. So please, if you can, dig deep, put in. And also for Black History Month, I want to remind you that if you have African clothing, African attire, African regalia, feel free to wear it to Sabbath service. And we want to show our love for our mother country as well. Amen. Our deacons, let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the privilege you've given us to return unto you that which you have first given to us. Bless us to be honest and faithful in tithe and offering. Bless us to be honest and faithful in our time, talent, and our temple as we glorify your name through our actions, words, and deeds. Bless this offering to go for a worthy purpose to spread your gospel message to all the world in this generation. In Jesus' name, amen.
Bible says that he is holy, he's harmless, he's undefiled, he's separate from sinners and made higher than the heavens. What an amazing God. tells a story that the Lord told him I'm going to give you a son I'm going to bless him I want you to name him Paul Stephen Heflin he's going to preach the gospel and so from the time I was four years old my parents recognized an aptitude and penchant for music I was supposed to sing at my paternal grandfather's my paternal grandmother's funeral but I fell asleep From the age of four years old, I've been singing. I'll be 50 this year. 46 years. This will be my jubilee year. But for many years, I lived a lifestyle of homosexuality. And because he's holy, he has a standard. You can offer God anything you want to offer God. Because he's holy. And so 17 years ago, he delivered my soul. He brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. He established my goings. He put a new song in my mouth. 
even a praise unto God. He said many would see it. They would fear and trust the Lord. Before I came here this morning, my wife, I said my wife. Did you hear what I said? I said my wife. I was on the phone with my wife this morning. We were praying together. And she reminded me of what God said. So this year, my 50th year, our 11th anniversary will be five days after my birthday. I'm May 15th. Our anniversary is May 20th. Because he's holy. <laughs> he's not a feckless God. He's a God of power. He's able to deliver. We live in a generation that thinks that God will change his mind. They appear in their own eyes, and yet they have not been washed from their filthiness. The one thing that I knew because I grew up in the truth was that if I died in that sin, I was going to perish. But he's a deliverer. He's holy. and say, said, worthy is the Lamb, hey, said, worthy is the Lamb, you are holy, you are holy, hey, you're holy, are you Lord, are you Lord God, almighty, somebody say, worthy, he's worthy in this place today, say, you are holy, you are holy. Come on, let the people of God sing it. You're holy. Is he the Lord and is he God, y'all? The Almighty said, worthy is our King. Worthy is the Lamb, sing it, y'all. Said, worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb. Said, worthy is the great I am. Worthy to change us from sin to sin. He's worthy to save us and souls again. He's worthy to wash us clean. You are holy. You are holy. Come on, can we celebrate him? Can we give him glory? Can we give him honor? For the balance of my days, I'll tell the story. Because there is no God like him. Worthy to deliver. Worthy to save. Lifted hands. One of my favorite modes of worship is lifted hands. Because universally, lifted hands both represent, <laughs> both represent surrender and victory. The minute that you surrender is when you get the victory. When I gave up my way and I trusted him, I said, God, I don't know how to do this. He said, that's exactly what I needed because that's when I'll bring my grace. When you give up your way, I'll give you mine. Nobody like him nowhere. Nobody can compare. 
all over the world. I've testified. People have received hope. I've had parents come to me and say, you give me hope. Thank you. Because he is the God who saves. I never thought I would be a father. But God is good. He said, that's not my opinion of you. So I'll cherish <laughs> the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down Yes, I will cling to the old rugged cross And guess what? And exchange it someday for a crown if that's your testimony will you sing with me sing it again I'll cherish the old the old rugged cross till my trophies till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange So until then, my heart will go on singing. You know that. Uh, and until then, with joy, I'll carry on. Until the day my eyes behold King Jesus. cross this last song is indeed an Adventist anthem everywhere I go in the world oh like you got to sing it pays to serve Jesus <laughs> seems like somebody really believes that it pays to serve Jesus anybody in the room believes that it pays to serve Jesus that you're going to be happy each step of the way. The service of Jesus true pleasure affords in him Is heaven to trust him and rest on his words? Does it pays to serve Jesus each day? It pays to serve Jesus, whatever may betide, and it pays to be. 
shadows they'll hang all the way and sorrows they will come to beckon us home our precious redeemer each toil will repay cause it Jesus, 
I will be happy believing that I will see my dad. I will be happy believing that I will see you in the earth made new. It's indeed a blessing. Bless you, sir. Bless you so much. Uh, can we put our hands together for Minister Paul uh, Heffern? So humbly graced us with uh, his ministry since four. Amen. Praise the Lord. And can we put our hands for our musician? What's Sister Carla at? Praise God for you. Ushered us in the presence of the Lord. We thank, thank God so much for you. Um, I, I, I actually calculated that um, we would probably get to the preach word somewhere around 12, 10, 12, 15. And I'm looking at my watch. So we're probably about uh, 15 or 20 minutes early. So that means that I can just stay here for about... <laughs> <laughs> can we can we take a little bit down? Um, can we take a little bit down? Because I I feel an excited spirit, and I don't want to I don't want to blow you out of here, because it's coming. Amen. Let me tell you something. I've I've had a wonderful week. Um, I have family and friends that called and checked in on me, and I had nothing bad to say. Come on, somebody. I had no flat tires. My money, well, we're going to, I had no flat tires. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> My wife still loves me. I hadn't slept on the couch. Amen. I have a church family that loves me. Did I, I'm going to say that one more time. <laughs> Just in case the folk in the back didn't hear me. I have a church family that loves me. Amen. <laughs> what more can you ask for? I know. Jesus to come. Come on, somebody. Because as much as I love you and appreciate the wonderful week, it would not have happened without God. One thing I've come to learn in my few years of being on this planet Earth, and that is without God, yeah. let me tell you something. Life is, life is rough with God, but without God. Oh, it's, it's, it's rough out here. But I thank God that he brought me from a dark place. Um, I wasn't always in the church. That's one thing I stand on, that I was able to get out there and God kept me. So I see God from another standpoint. It wasn't always in the church and always in the choir. No, 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 no. Let me tell you, it wasn't none of that. We talking streets. <laughs> and to stand here and be able to minister to the people of God is a blessing. And I do not take it for granted. That was about five minutes of that 20 minutes that I was talking about earlier. But I'm not going to bore you or belabor you. Um, but if you don't mind going with me to the book of Exodus. Now, this is a very um, special book for me. 
Um, and the, the, you know, I left my eyes in my office, so we're going to, oh, you have them, right? See, see, look at that. Come on. Come on. Boy, if that ain't a shout right there, come on. Show them, baby, show them. <laughs> Set the standard, baby. Set the standard. <laughs> Is that all right? Uh, ain't God good? <laughs> Won't he do it? <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. Oh, I told you, I feel a shout up in here today. Amen. Please turn with me to the book of Exodus. Amen. We're going to jump right in this word. Um, I, I, I believe that God wants to remind somebody that it's not over. It's not over. Sometimes we can get to a place and we feel as if we've done some things and been out in the midst and God has turned. But let me help you out today. It's not over. Um, Exodus chapter 34, if you have it, please stand with me as I just share a couple of um, passages. We're not going to read all of them. I just want to jump around a little bit um, and share with you from verse 1, 2, 4, and 8. One, two, four, and eight. When you have it, please stand with me in honor of the word of God. And I'll read the first, you read the second, I'll read the um, third, and we'll read the um, verse eight together. The Bible says, and the Lord said to Moses, cut two. How many, everybody? Two. two tablets of stone like the first ones. And I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablet, which you broke. Somebody say, you broke. You broke. Amen. Verse two, you see, you read. Amen. Verse 4. Let's go to verse 4. So he cut two tab tablets of stone like the first ones. Then Moses rose early in the morning and went up Mount Sinai, and as the Lord had commanded him, and he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. Let's do ver verse 8 all together. Uh, so Moses made haste and bowed his head towards the earth and worshiped. What did he do, everybody? He worshiped. Today we just want to talk on the subject, the second time around. The second time around. Father, in the name of Jesus. Again, you are truly an amazing God. Without you, we can do nothing. But with you, we are more than conquerors. And so I stand here today, O oh God, knowing that I am not worthy, but for some odd reason, you saw fit to bring us to this preached moment. So now, God, I say to you, as I've always have, I must now decrease that the word of God may increase into your hands. I commit my spirit in Jesus' name. We pray that the people of God say amen and amen again. You may be seated in the presence of an amazing God. You know, when I think about um, first time, you know, I kind of, my mind goes back um, the first time. Um, I fell in love um, the first time that I, um, you know, rode a bike. Um, the first time I did many of things, and even in the book of Genesis, the Genesis has the account of the first of a lot of things, like the first marriage and the, the first family. Um, you go through the book of Genesis, you have the first civilization. Um, you have the first sin. Um, you, you have a lot of firsts found in Genesis. Uh, uh, there is a, there, the, you know, uh, uh, the first calling, um, the, first, the first move is right there in the book of Genesis. Uh, but I'm not here to talk to you about the first, but I'm sure a lot of us 
um, can recall the first time we were married, which may not be or may be um, a good experience. Uh, some of us can recall the first time um, we got employed and we were so excited about um, working until you got that first check and realized that they hold back a week. <laughs> some of us can remember the first. Some of us can remember the first, the first home that we bought. But I want to deal with the first because, see, in our text, we see here that God picks up the story with Moses, um, not on the first time of, that he wrote the tablets, but the second time. Because see, when you understand Moses and what took place, God called Moses up to Mount Sinai uh, on the first time where God revealed himself to him and told Moses um, to take your shoes off because the place that you're standing is holy ground. This is a very uh, 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 um, sacred space uh, um, that you're standing in. This is the time where Moses was able to see the bush burning, but yet it wasn't being consumed and, and it just kind of caught Moses' attention. That's the first time. Good experience, good experience Moses had with God in that first experience. But then the second time that Moses goes back up this mountain is after he came down the first time. And Moses comes down and he realizes the children of Israel are uh, have taken and made a golden calf. Now they got to a place in their Christian experience, if you will, where Moses was gone so long where they lost sight of what God was trying to do in their lives. They forgot all about God's leading. They forgot all about God's uh, guiding. They forgot all about the fire by uh, night and the pillar by day. All of that seemed to have gone out the window because Moses was gone for some 40 days and 40 nights. And now the children find themselves down at the bottom of this here mountain, Mount Sinai, mind you, and they have built a calf, and now they're calling this calf their God. Now, if I'm going to put a pen right there and help somebody along the way, you know, God got very jealous of the fact that these stiff-necked folk, whom he delivered out of their mess, who brought them out of a situation, who took them from nowhere and placed them in a place of prominence, and they forgot all about them. I'm trying to help you. Don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to live life. But there are times that God will lead you to a space of prominence, and we lose our mind. Come on. Children of Israel built a cat, they began to dance, they began to celebrate, they began to uh, 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 strip to the point where they were drinking and drugging and, and, and just acting all kinds of ungodly. So God tells Moses, I need to go down there because these folk have lost their mind. These folk whom I delivered have gotten beside themselves. I'm about to take them out. Moses, please, no God, please don't take them out. So Moses goes down there and Moses, after he done begged God not to take us out, Moses gets to the point now where he is so frustrated to see the people of God acting that way. Cutting the fool up in the house. The same fool that declared, I love you, Lord, are the same fool that now act like they don't have good sense that God gave them from the day they were born. And Moses, in frustration, I'm going to say, took those sacred tablets, threw them down, and broke them. 
Now, what I love about it here is that I get it. I get it. Sometimes, you know, we hear preachers preach. And I want to make sure that I get the story correct because um, when Moses goes back up the second time, God has a conversation with him. And now one time in my study and in my search have I read. Now, help me now. I could be wrong. I have been before. I'm just a man, just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. So I'm subject to fall and bust my head to the white meat show just like the rest of you. But I have yet to find in the word of God, as I've heard many a times before, where Moses himself rewrote on these tablets. Oh, yeah, it's out there. Just want to help you out. Because here in the text that we read right here, the Bible tells me, and the Lord, and the Lord tells Moses, he says, come here, Moses. I need you now to cut two tablets of stone like the first. And the Bible tells me... I will write on these tablets. So you have to understand something. There are some things that God don't want you putting your hands on. I need you to to read this one. There are some things God don't want you touching. There are some things God said I need you to stay away from. It is not for you. I don't know who I'm preaching to today. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I need you to leave here with an understanding that God is about business. I know we look on YouTube and we on on, uh, on um, Instagram and Facebook, and the new thing is now uh, I'm standing on business. I need you to know that God is standing on business, that he means business when he said don't touch it, don't fool with it, stay away from it. It is not for you. I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm just trying to help you out. Just pray for me. Don't, don't, don't pray on me. Help me, Lord. <laughs> Stay away from it. So God gives Moses these um, instructions to cut out these stones like the first one. You see, Moses broke the first set of stones, the ones written with the finger of God. He broke the tablets because Israel broke the commandment. Thou shalt not have no other God before me. And they took the commandment of God, broke them, and felt like it was all right. Oh, I'm trying to help you, Lord. I'm trying, I'm trying to help him. I hope you're reading between all of this because many times we go out and we do stuff and we break them. We, shove, we, we um, scramble them around. We make it convenient. We tailor make it to fit our situation. And God said, whether it's on the left side or the right side, wrong is wrong. I don't care how you dice it up. Did you understand it's wrong? I know, I know, I know, I know, I get it, I get it. Well, I'll just take a little bit. But do you not know that just a little bit of cyanide will kill you? (laughs) It's just a little bit. I'm not going to just, you know, I mean, I'm just going to take a peek. I'm trying to to help you, family. I'm trying to help you. I need you to understand that there are some things that God is saying. I understand that you, 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 you messed up, but I need you to understand that I am a God of a second chance. That I am a God that will not just leave you in your foolishness. But I need you to follow my commands. I need you to follow my commands. And so the mo- God tells Moses, I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Now, I'm going to remind you, if you read the text, there are there, at, at least, uh, 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 if we find out in this text, uh, 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 that there are several times where God calls Moses to remember you broke it. You messed that up. Here we go. Okay, you're, you're looking at me. You married him. 
You chose that career. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you chose, you did that. You made that decision. You decided to go with that crowd. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Too many times we want to look at God and we want to blame God as if it's God's fault when you did it. You did it. Own up to it. Come on. God stand on business. Come on, family. Stand on business. You did it on the day you did it. <laughs> you weren't listening in. Don't get twisted and get mad and get upset now that things is going left, right, left, and things are just not adding up. What you thought was a good thing turned out to be a bad thing. Uh-uh, come on, hold on in there. Come on in there. Hold on to it. That's the only way you're going to get your deliverance, by owning up to the stuff. See, as long as we sugarcoat it and want to hide it and scoot it over here and act like it don't exist, God can't help you like that. You got to own it. I messed up, Lord. Fix me. I'm broken. Lord, help me. I'm lost without you. I can't think without you, Jesus. My mind ain't right. It's the only way that God can help us. Moses, you broke those. Oh, 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 yeah. So every time you move, every time it happens, every time you look at him, it's a reminder you did it. I'm going to let that marinate right there. Somebody will get it maybe later on. Every time you move, it's going to be a reminder that you did it. You made the choice. You decided. So come on in here, Moses. I, I, I haven't abandoned you. I need you to do something, though, because, see, the first time God uh, 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 gave Moses these commandments, God presented them to Moses. Now, Moses, I need you, since you broke them, I need you to heal them out yourself. And then I'll rewrite them for you. See, no man shall come upon, uh, 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 come up here with you, Moses. I need you to understand that this is a sacred moment. This is a time where I just need you because, see, you have lost your mind. See, you should never get to a point. Here we go, family. God, I need you to put a pen right here. You should never get to a point in your Christian experience where you allow somebody else to cause you to say something, do something, or act some kind of way against the word of God. You should never allow nobody get you to a point where now you're cursing, now you're drinking, now you're acting. You should never allow folk to get you to a space where now you quit coming to church. She made me, let me tell you something, I ain't going to let nothing, and I mean nothing, separate me from the love of God. So you may be acting one way, I'm going to continue to be faithful even in the midst of it. Because I believe in the power of prayer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just going to take it to the Lord. And I'm going to let the Lord deal with it. Because he knows what's best. I need to make sure that my soul's salvation is intact. I need to make sure that my life is living without spot nor wrinkle. I need to make sure, family of God, that when Jesus cracks the sky, that I am in a position of worship. Not worship. I need to make, make sure that my life is in a, is in a stand-up place so when Jesus sees me, he looks at me and says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I need you to come on up a little bit higher. I want to make you ruler over many. A ruler over much. But see, Moses, Moses has lost sight. I need you to understand Moses lost sight. Moses allowed the people of God to get him to a place where now he's throwing God's stuff around. This is a sign of disrespect. 
I, 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 I get it. You know, they were really acting up. They were really acting up. And, and, and you know, and you're just lucky Moses didn't hit one of them with it. I get it. I get it. Pre preacher, preacher, I understand. I under they were really cutting it up. But let me tell you something. You should never let nobody get you to the place where now you are acting out of character. You see, I had to learn that myself. I had to learn it, learn it. And I thank God that I learned it. You know, I ain't going to say I learned it the hard way, but I learned it. Because, see, I had not always been this calm, cool, and collected. Amen. 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 I had not always been this person. Every time I always tell the story, I'm reminded of the story when my wife and I, we was, you know, um, been married about four or five years, I guess, somewhere around in there. And I roll up in the Walmart parking lot and I told you the story and a car bagging out. And, um, you know, so I'm back there, um, 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 Sister Lynette, and I don't want the car to run into me. So I do the polite thing. You do know that you can blow your horn politely. You do know that, right? Just in case you loud horn blowing folk don't know it's possible, I want to let you know that you can politely blow your horn. On. I did it. Boop. That's the polite. That's the, that's the polite way. So this individual, he decides to get aggressive. You do know you can blow your horn in an aggressive way. Let me show you how to do that. Boom. So I respond back. Boom. So he responds back. Boom! So his door opens, my door opens, my wife yells out, Honey, you a pastor. I've been changed! <laughs> you a pastor. You allowed this man to get you out of character. Moses, don't let folk get you out of character. Let folk get you in a space, a head space, where now you act in some kind of way. Now you feel in some kind of way. Do you not know you can't praise God with a cantankerous spirit? Coming up in here like you told you, just because you throw your hands up don't mean that God is receiving it. Oh, y'all not ready, y'all not ready, y'all not ready. Just be beautiful song, beautiful ministry of music, but I need you to understand something. We can have the best music, but if your heart's not right, it means nothing. True worshipers is what God wants. Moses found that out as we get to the verse 8. We see Moses understands what's happening right now. And the text tells us that he fell down and he worshiped God. Because he realized that God has given him a second chance. You see, the second time around can be the best thing that could ever happen to you. Sometimes that first time is just a learning experience. Sometimes we have to go through difficult moments just so that, God can, so, so that God can show you that he is able to bring you through it. Sometimes you have to go through a, a sickness so that God can reveal to you through that sickness that he is a healer. See, how would I know that he's a deliverer if I've never been in a situation where I needed deliverance? How would I know that he's a provider if I never knew that he can provide for me in my most lowest moments? How will I know that he's a friend that's sticking closer than a brother if I've never been in a situation where I needed a friend? How do I know that he can mend my heart when my dad died if my dad never died? 
How do I know this about God? How can I stand here and talk to you and encourage you about a God that is amazing, about a God that is loving, about a God that will keep you when your heart is broken if I've never had my heart broken, if I've never experienced tragedy locked up in that cell, I realize that God will set the captives free. I realize that God is a provider, that God will not leave you. I know there are moments, Moses, I get it. It seems as if God has left you all by yourself, and it seems as if the best thing to do is to just throw down the stones. It seems as if the best thing to deal, the, the, the best way to handle this is to just lash out. But let me help you out, family of God, that is not the best thing. Looking at 20 years, I realized that God is a keeper, that God is able, that God is a provider, even though my circumstances says something else. Even though the lawyer that was supposed to have been representing me took two steps back and left me standing by myself, I realized that God will never leave you and he will never forsaken you. Couldn't understand it then, but I thank God I'm able to make it through it now. Moses, I need you to understand that God will do it again. I know you messed up. I know you broke the stones. I know you said some things, but God said, come on up to the mountain again. I haven't abandoned you. I haven't left you. Come on up because the second time around, I believe you're going to get it. I know it didn't make sense the first time the prognosis showed up, but the second time around, I need you to understand that I am a keeper, that I am a provider. I know it didn't make since the first time around. I know it wasn't adding up then, but if you would just hold on just a little while longer, God will show you that I am able to keep you if you would but just let me. Come on home, family of God. Come on home, family of God. You've been away too long. You held out too long. And I need you to understand that I'm here to rewrite the laws. And what I love about it, because God rewrote the stones on tablet the second time, but then he moves a little deeper as you go through the story. He said, now what I want to do, because it seems as if it's a difficult task, now I want to write them on your heart. Because, see, ever since the beginning, ever since the beginning, God has always been about connecting with his people. The Bible tells us in Genesis that Jesus walked, that God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. Can you just imagine hanging out with God all day long? I'm not talking about here and there. I'm talking about God. Adam walked with God. Adam talked with God. They spent time together. God always wanted to have a relationship with his creator. He didn't just create us just for the sake of creating us. He created us for his good pleasure. And when Adam broke his heart, it did something to him. So God said, let me build them a tabernacle. Because I got to get with my people. I got to walk with them. I got to talk with them. I got to spend time with them. So we presented them with a tabernacle for them to come and worship him, for them to come and sacrifice. And we still threw the commandments down. We still broke the stones. We still disobeyed. Turned the tabernacle, God's sanctuary, into a place of bitterness. 
Now we're charging folk to bring their sacrifice. Now we're asking them, how much do you have? Now we have a, a shop set up in the sanctuary where we're charging folk just to come and sacrifice. God said, you messed it up. He said, let me try this again because, see, I tried to walk with you in the cool of the day. I tried to hang out with you, but, but, but you still didn't get it. So now I'm going to give you a tabernacle. Maybe you can come and sup with me there, forgive you of your sins, and you messed that up. He said, well, how about if I send my boy Jesus? Maybe, just maybe, if Jesus go down there and, and, and break bread with him and, and sit with him and, and talk with him and, and, and let them see me in him and let them understand that I am able to do all of these things. I can heal the sick. I can raise the dead. I can do those things. Family of God, we broke the commandments again. We broke the stones again. We're still breaking stones. And God said, I'm going to give you another chance. This time, Jesus, Jesus, we crucified him. We lay him on the cross and we take his life. And God said, I love you too much to leave you by yourself. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. Surely, when the Holy Spirit comes, surely by that time, they will understand going all the way back to Genesis, going all the way back to my relationship with Adam and Eve, going all the way back, surely they will understand that all I want to do is just spend time with my people. I just want to love on them a little bit. I see that you're hurting. I see that you're in pain. I see that they don't want to be with you, but that means I want to be with you. I give you my spirit. And we still breaking the stones it seemed as if whatever God tried to do whenever God tried to present us with an opportunity to get close to him we push him away when every every time an opportunity to to forgive we push it away every time a moment shows up for us to do the right thing Push it away. And God is saying, one day, I'm going to have to just come. And I don't want God to come with my arms like this. I want him to come with my arms like this. I want him to see that I want to be with him. So whatever I have to do, Jesus, to get it right, I want to get it right. Because you have to understand the Lord, he, when he descended in the clouds, he stood with him there. God said, listen, I need you to proclaim the name of the Lord. I need you to tell the people about my goodness. You see, God uh, uh, covered Mount Sinai. It covered when God came down uh, on Mount Sinai. You even understand that his presence covered that whole mountain. It went with Israel by day. It stood at the tent of Moses. It filled Solomon's temple with glory. It overshadowed Mary at the conception of Jesus. It was present at the transfiguration of Jesus. God's presence was always there. It will be present at the return of Jesus. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsaken you. I will be there with you. But I need you to know. I need you to, I, I, I just need to know if you understand that. Because I'm not going to just turn my back on you. I'm going to give you another chance. Because the second time around, God believes that this is the time right here. 
This is the time where we can make things new. Because God's revelation of uh, uh, the revelation of God's uh, uh, character is, uh, uh, to Moses, uh, uh, the Bible says in, in verse 6 and 7, it says, The Lord and the Lord God merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquities and transgressions and sins, by no means clearing the guilty. So God is not saying, I'm so loving that I'm not going to just remind you of your fault. I said, you know, I need you to understand that it's going to be there. He's not clearing us of the guilt. And that's a good thing because the guilt should remind you of how it felt. The guilt ought to let you know that this is something I don't ever want to experience again. I mean, we used to say it all the time. You probably heard it before. When a person gets caught doing something wrong, you say, are you mad? Are, are, are you sorry that you got caught? Or are you really sorry? And the truth of the matter is, some of us, let me just help you out. You may not want to admit it, but we're just sorry that we got caught. But we're not sorry that we broke God's heart. We're not sorry that we disrespected God in his house. We're not sorry that we disrespect each other because he says that when you've done it to the least of them, you've done it unto me. That, 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 that we're not sorry uh, uh, like we really should be. We're not sorry that we showed up uh, and showed out. So we have to understand that God said, I am very merciful. I'm very loving. I'm very grateful. I mean, gracious. You see, merciful is better translated full of compassion. And five of the 13 times it is used, this word is translated full of compassion in the New King James Version. The same word was also used regarding Israel in the Exodus and in, 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 in Psalms uh, uh, 78 verse 38, which reads like this. But he's being full of compassion, forgave their iniquities, and did not destroy them. Yes, many a times he turned his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. This, my brothers and sisters, is compassion in action. But God said, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. You see, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, uh, uh, the idea behind the word long-suffering means that God is slow to anger. He's long-suffering. And I'm so glad that God is long-suffering. I'm glad that God doesn't allow his anger to just swoop in and deal with me like he should. But he's long-suffering. God shows his goodness towards us in his forgiving our, in, in our character. You see, the Bible tells us, that he was keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquities and transgressions and sins. You see, this revelation of the character of God to Moses forever puts away the idea that there is a bad God in the Old Testament and that this is, which is in contrast with the new God or the good God in the New Testament. You see, God's character of love and mercy and grace is present in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. That is not a different God. 
By no means, he says, declaring the guilty. If his love and forgiveness are rejected, God will punish, and that punishment will have repercussions through the generations that hate him. You see, his loving, gracious, and giving character do not cancel out his righteousness because of the work of Jesus. The righteousness of God is satisfied, and the grace and mercy of God are righteously given. It's because of Jesus, not because of anything that we've done. And the Bible tells us that it will go on to generations and generations. You have to understand, family of God, that the choices and the decisions that you make right now has a profound effect on generations and generations to come. It doesn't just stop with you. And too many times we feel like because we got it right that everybody should get it right. We feel like that because I made the change, everybody ought to make the change. And you have to understand that it doesn't work that way. Moses made haste to worship. He was compelled to worship God when he saw so clearly whom God was. See, when we don't have a compelling drive to worship God, it's clear evidence that we don't really appreciate who he is. When we don't have a drive to give God praise, whenever we deny God praise and we have a problem with worshiping God, you have to understand that the issue is you really don't trust him. You really don't appreciate him. You really don't understand him. Because how can you walk away from the one who gives you breath every second, every moment? Just now, he did it again. He did it again. He did it again. He did it again. again. And he's still doing it. But we have the audacity to give God what we feel he ought to have. And God is saying, I'm giving you a second time. I'm giving you the second time around. I need you to understand. I'm coming. I want to give you this one thing. I want to give you life everlasting. I need to give you life everlasting. But more than that, I want to give you me. See, I can give you life. I'm giving you life right now. I can give you life everlasting. But what is life everlasting without God? You do know he can do that. You do know that he can cause you to live for, live on and on and on and on and on and on. That's why God said what we must do, we must do it quickly. Let me get down there before they take a bite of the tree of life, and they will forever be lost in their sins. Let me jump down there. Let me just come on in there. Because what they're doing, they don't understand the gravity of their decision. They're not understanding the moves that they're making, that these are profound effects on your soul's salvation. So I want to give them me. I want to let them know what I am, what God is like. I want them to see what I'm like. I want them to experience me. So when we understand what is God like, 
See, to the downcast, God is compassionate. You see, to the undeserving, God is gracious. With the defiant, God is patient. And with the undesirable, God is loving. For the doubtful, God is faithful. And for the disobedient, God is forgiven. Regarding the demands of the law, God is just. You see, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquities and transgressions of sins, but who will by no means clear our guilty state. He said, I will hold you accountable for the stuff that you've done. But if you were to turn to me, when the Father see you, He's really going to see me. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I need you to understand uh, uh, what, you know, the, the wrong you've done. Oh, yeah, you're going to you're gonna have to own up to it. The lies that I've told, oh, yeah, they're being recorded. But what I love about it is, is that the devil, he can't hold that on me because I've given it over to Jesus. But here it is, family. God, I need you to understand because I don't want you to think that you can go out here and do whatever you want to do and then give it to Jesus and then go back out there and do some more. Let me tell you something. You go back out there, you're going to become seven times worse than you were before you went out there. And all the stuff you've done before is just going to be piled up on you. Oh, yeah. You're going to be worse. Tell you something, I'm gonna get out of here. I'm gonna tell you something because he, I told you, I preach truth, I preach truth, I, 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 I preach my experience, I preach life. I need you to understand something. Before I gave my life to Jesus the first time, I've done some things. I was out there, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I backslid and went back out there the second time, let me tell you something. I was finding myself in places that I never thought I would find myself in. I'm finding myself now dealing with individuals with life sentences. I find myself in places, in dark places, deep places, that would cause a, a, a normal person or an average person would call you to jump in your spirit. And I'm waking up. I'm sleeping with my clothes on because if I take them off, if I take my shoes off and lay them by the bed, I'm wondering where they're going to end up next. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm talking about in an environment where you have to sneak to even eat. I'm talking about in a place where if they knew you had just one dollar, they're coming for you. But I had to learn that, 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 that I brought all of that on myself, but once I turned and got back right with Jesus, now, I sleep like a baby. I don't worry about anything. The Bible, I mean, God told me, God told me, he said, if you just trust me, I'll take care of you. If you just believe in me, I'll take care of you. Because see, the second time around, when Jesus comes, that second time around, it's a done deal. He said, when I come the second time, I'm coming with all power in my hand. He said, the second time around, hey, I'm coming with all my glory. 
See, I understand you messed up the first time. You broke the commandments. You threw them down, Moses. I got you on that. I'm giving you a chance to get it right now because when I come the second time, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard that which God have in store for me. And I declare to you today that I want to see my Jesus face to face. I want to hold him. I want to touch him. I want to be able to lay my eyes on him and not just in my imagination. But I want to be able to have a one-on-one conversation with him. Because you don't know, like I know, what God has done for me. So I realize that today, family of God, that the second time is not like the first. So while I may have messed up then, I've given it over to him. I've given it over to him. And I declare to you that if you give it over to him, you too will have that peace that will pass all understanding. How can you smile after you receive such bad news? How can you hold your head high after you receive such a devastating blow? How can you give God glory in the midst of all of that? Because I'm not looking at all of that. I'm looking at Jesus. And as long as I keep my eyes on Jesus, I don't have to worry about it. See, that's the problem the enemy don't want us to do. He don't want us to keep our eyes on Jesus, so he throw all of these things at us. He have us arguing. He have spouses at each other's throat. Have us looking at each other like we're the enemy. Baby, I didn't marry you for you. I didn't marry the enemy. I married my love. I married my bride. I married my best friend. I married my helpmate. I didn't marry my enemy. She's not the enemy. He's not the enemy. The enemy will want you to think that. God is giving us a second chance. And I just want to ask, who want to take him up on that offer? If you want to receive that second chance, I just ask you to stand on your feet with me this morning. Amen. Amen. There may be somebody here. There may be somebody here that want to give God their heart. They want to give God their praise. They want to give God all their glory. You realize, you recognize that there are some things that you've said, some things that you've done, some moves that you've made that just wasn't right in God's sight. And now today, you want to declare, my Lord, my King, my Savior, my everything.
Today is your day. Is there one? Is there one? Is there one? Amen, Sister Mary. God bless you. God bless you. Is there another? Is there another? I just want to give him my hallelujah. I want to give him my praise. Is there another? Is there another? We're about to pray. Is there another? Loving Lord, our Father and God, again, we thank you so much for what has transpired in this sanctuary today. Lord, you showed up and you did it again. Thank you so much for the Sabbath. Thank you so much for this message today. Understanding and recognizing, God, that you are doing it one more time. The second time around. Not like the first time. We messed up. But now you're here, Lord, to pick up the pieces. And maybe somebody here, Lord, that needs to know you a little bit better. Need to be drawn closer to you. We ask, oh God, that you would have your way. Let your Holy Spirit prevail. Thank you so much for this privilege and this opportunity to come and worship and magnify your name today. In Jesus' name.
him up, push him up, push him up, give him the glory. Thank you, Jesus, for blessing. 